0: People of God, good morning. May the light and peace of Jesus Christ, our Lord, be with you. Our prayer this morning by Skye Grunewald.
1: Let us pray. Dear Lord, this is your child, Skye, and I am 10 years old. Today I was thinking about all the children that are not cared for, who are mistreated and abused, boys and girls who don't know what a hug feels like. Jesus, can you be with every single child that needs love and care? Please be with them in a special way today and every day. I know that you love us, you little angels, and you would not want us to be mistreated, sad and hurt. Thank you that you can be our dad, our father, and that I can ask you for anything and feel safe doing so. I love you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Join me now as we listen to the hymn, Jesus Loves the Little Children, all the children of the world.
2: Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Every color, shape and size, they are precious in his eyes. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Every color, shape Precious in his eyes, Jesus
0: loves the little children of the world. Friends, we turn our attention now to our focus for this particular Sunday. And it is against the background of us having just concluded Child Protection Week. The focus being that of our children, children of our community. Our gifts from God. I was listening on the radio on Friday to Eusebius MacKaiser on the 702 show. He was interviewing and inviting people to talk about the possibility of the spike of COVID-19 because people are returning to work and there's a sense in which normality that we used to, is right back where we started. Eusebius kept uttering a particular statement. Something is very wrong in our community. It is wrong if people cannot see that their irresponsible behavior, drinking sprees, beating of women and children, the violence, everything that we see and experience all around us, when people cannot recognize that that behavior is wrong and disheartening and not life-giving, something is very wrong. The particular statement by Eusebius that something is very wrong, keeps coming back into my own mind, as I considered Child Protection Week, the fact that we as a community, as the world, need to designate one week in the entire year, where we are all forced, in one way or the other, to think about our behavior in relation to children, to consider how to behave differently, to be mindful of the rights of children, how to honor, how to respect, how to embrace, and how to ensure that all children feel welcome, safe, valued. The very fact that this particular week was established in the first place makes me to believe that indeed something is very wrong. Let us turn to the word of God. I want to read to you this morning from Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 through to 20. Listen for the word of God. The parable of the lost sheep. over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it's not the will of the Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two of the others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two. Or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For we two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. People of God, as I considered this particular reading against the background of child protection week, my mind considered what it possibly mean. Not only that we have a hurt-free world, a hurt-free school environment, a hurt-free home, a hurt-free working environment, surely we also need to consider the meaning of a church as a hurt-free community. Chapter 18 of the Gospel of Matthew addresses the disciples, the community of faith, the church. I think it is another way of understanding Jesus talking about a hurt-free community. Let's look more closely to this particular chapter. Although we only read verses 10 to 20, the chapter as a whole has six parts to it. Firstly, it's the disciples arguing about who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom proclaimed by Jesus and Jesus reminding them to be humble like a child. So consider verses 1 to 5. Secondly, Jesus warning the disciples not to be a stumbling block to the little ones and pointing out to the dire consequence of being such a stumbling block. Verses 6 to 9. Thirdly, from the passage we read, Jesus sharing how important it is that the entire 100% and not even just 99% of the people in the community of faith feels included. Verses 10 to 14. Fourthly, what to do when there is dissension and disagreement in the community and the seeds of a conflict management process. Verses 15 to 17. Fifthly, a profound statement of the connection between God and Jesus and what is going on in the community of faith is a reminder that the life of the early community has heavenly implications. Verses 19. To twenty, And then the last half of the chapter, which we didn't read, deals with the importance of forgiveness in the community of faith, along with the graphic illustration provided in the parable of the unforgiving servant, verses 21 to 34, respectively. So, people of God, what we have here in this chapter, other than some profound point is to see, and understand the church is a hurt-free community. As Jesus speaks in private to his disciples in this chapter, shaping our understanding of the community of faith, he recognizes three kinds of people in this community. The chapter suggests that within the community of faith, there will be people who are hurting, secondly, people who are hurtful, and thirdly, people entrusted with nurturing this hurt-free community. Consider with me, firstly, those who will be hurtful. Jesus has some extremely harsh words to say. The chapter begins with a power struggle amongst the disciples, each wanting to be the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus turns this on its head, speaking of a leadership that is humble and welcoming. And then, as if warming to the task he lets rip at the arrogant, power-seeking desire to be the greatest, a desire that creates hurt. This desire puts a stumbling block before the little ones, a stumbling block that excludes, a stumbling block that creates hurt. The community cannot be what it is and what it must be if this kind of hurtful attitude is found among us. In fact, Jesus speaks to the community of faith. He says that those who take this route will be thrown into the eternal fire. Woe to the one by whom the stumbling block comes. Indeed, the consequences are to dire that if your hand or your foot or your eye causes you to be such a block, then get rid of it. Friends, the community of faith cannot flourish if it is to be led by people who are hurtful. Secondly, Jesus speaks of those who are hurting. And here his tone of voice changes completely as he speaks as a shepherd who cares deeply for the sheep who is excluded, the child who is not welcome, the slave who owns a few cents and the person who is eating. His opposition to people who are hurtful, is born of his deep concern, indeed his identification with the victims of such hurt. As one who himself will be hurt to the point of death on the cross, excluded outside the city wall of the dung heap of Golgotha, Jesus' entire ministry served in identification with the excluded and the hurt people, the little ones we hear of. But to these little ones, Jesus is the good shepherd. He brings a child into the midst of the disciples and makes it clear that it is the child and not the great disciple who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He tells the story of the shepherd who seeks for the one who has gone astray, a term that we often spiritualize into some kind of moral failing, but which in the context of the story clearly means being excluded From the group. Remember that the parable begins with the warning: Take care that you do not despise one of these little ones. So, friends, it is clear then that this community of faith is a community of inclusion, a community in which the hurting people are invited to belong, and which these hurts are to be nursed and healed. For indeed, this is in a sense the message that Jesus is sharing with a third group of people, which includes the first two groups and all others who belong to the community of faith. For Jesus is sharing the way of dealing with those who are hurtful and those who are hurting and the importance of creating a hurt-free community. For there is a truth in the fact that the person inside of us can be both hurtful and hurting often at the same time. And it is often out of our own hurts that we become hurtful. And often as we hurt others, so they in turn hurt us. Creating a hurt-free community is a task for all of us in the church. And so Jesus moves on to talk about what happens when a brother or sister A member of the church hurts you, and by implication, what happens when you cause such hurt? He shares a way of healing that hurt, a way that journeys through talking and listening, first in private and then in community. At the very heart of the journey is the ability to forgive and to seek forgiveness. Thus, he tells Peter to forgive 70 times, seven times, and then shares the parable of the unforgiving servant to underline the importance both of forgiveness and of not acting in such a way that deeply hurts the little ones over whom we have authority. Friends, at the heart of chapter 18, we become aware that this vision of a hurt free community, one that constrains the hurtful and welcomes the hurting, is more than just a club or association. It is, in fact, what it means to be church, to be the people of God, to be the body of Christ, the gathered believers, where this community seeks to constrain the hurtful and welcome the hurting. When two or three come together in the name of Jesus, then Jesus is there in the midst of them. The community that strives to be hurt free is what it means to be church. You don't need a building, nor a bishop, or a hymn book, or even some pews. We just need people who are seeking to be this kind of community. People who invest energy in others and who learn through others how to forgive hurts that are experienced, and how to seek forgiveness of hurts that are caused. Not an easy task amidst the tension, the conflict, and the ambiguities currently experienced in our community in our world but a responsibility nonetheless friends as jesus suggests when he says if two or three agree on earth about anything you ask it will be done for you by my father in heaven there is so much more that we can say about a hurt free community but i begin today with the people who are closest to the cross. Be mindful about the little ones in our presence. Think about those who are hurt through violence, poverty, racism, sexism, political and cultural constraints. We cannot think about the church as a hurtful community save from its relationship to its calling to mission in the wider world. Here we perhaps need to simply affirm the truth that we can't be much used to a hurting world if we ourselves as a community of faith are not seeking to become a hurt-free community. Our children will not be able to return to Sunday school for obvious reasons because of COVID-19 regulations. School will not be the same. Behaviour and relation to friends will not be the same. Something is very wrong. But let us recognise what can be righted or corrected in our behaviour. in The way that we are the way that we conduct ourselves, the values that we teach in our new normal. I pray that above everything else, what will guide what we do and say will be, Lord, teach me how to help create a hurt-free world. May God bless you and provide you with all the grace that you need to be a hurt free church. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, our intercession by Elijah and Chantel.
1: Let us bow our heads in prayer God. We give you all praise and glory and thank you for all our blessings. Lord, during this time that we have not been at school but at home, staying safe, we pray for those that homes are not a safe place. The children that homes are a scary place, with not much love, and not much food, and not much safety. Please be with the children and help them, God. I pray for those that are scared because of coronavirus, scared for their family and friends getting the virus, and that their world has changed, and also scared to go back to school. Let us remember, God, that you are always with us. There is no face mask or social distancing from you, God. You are always holding our hands. Let us trust you and keep praying to you. And let us keep thanking you because we know nothing is bigger than you, God.
0: Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Father who art in heaven, As we hear the fears and concerns of our children, we take rest in knowing that where we cannot reach or provide for all the children, you will. Though our children may walk in the midst of trouble, you will preserve their lives. You stretch your hand against the wrath of their enemies, and your right hand will be our children's deliverer. We will not fear, because we know that you will provide our children with the protection they need. Amen.
2: Stay big family.
0: People of God, may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God be reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow from your heart, that all might see and seeing believe. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Amen.